Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is music by Jesse Harlan for Yoku's Island Express, a platforming pinball game with all types of colorful music and unexpected and absolutely fantastic combinations of instruments. There are very distinct sound worlds here with Polynesian sounds, throat singing, trip hop, renaissance, film noirish type stuff, a ridiculously spot-on tribute to Pink Floyd and their guitarist David Gilmour, and yet it all works really well together, and it feels like it's all a part of the same world. I don't know how he does it, but he does it. I loved Jesse's music that he did a couple years back for Mafia 3, and you should listen to that if you haven't yet. You can hear that in episode 41 of Level. Anyway, here we are talking about Yoku's Island Express. Seriously, this is uh, one of my favorite scores of the year so far. Oh, thanks. I, I just think it's wonderful. And, I mean, we really could just jump right in if you want because um, I, I, it was about halfway through the soundtrack. And, you know, I'm often doing other things on my first right. listen, you know? Right. And so I was, and, and then whenever something catches my ear... It's either a good thing and I write uh-huh. it down or it's a bad thing and I forget about it and move on, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, in this case, they were, they were good things and I, and I realized I was doing it for every track and I was like, well, <laughs> I'm going to stop doing other things and just listen mm. now. And then, you know, since I hadn't done that for the first half, really, I, or, mm-hmm. you know, first third, I'd say, then I went mm-hmm. back and listened again and, and made notes about almost every single track before I wow. was like, this is just ridiculous. I need to, <laughs> we can't talk about, I mean, we could, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's, it was just fun. So many great Good. textures. Yeah. It's, um, I worked really hard at figuring out the right weirdo combinations. Because <laughs> yeah, that's but... basically, I mean, that's the story of what the game is. The game is a weird combination. It's a, a pinball game mixed with a Metroidvania. It's the kind of thing where when the same reaction everybody has to the game when it's first described to them is the same reaction I had. Yeah. Uh, when Villa Gorilla, the developers, when they told me what it was. Yeah. When they said, we've got this game, it's a pinball game mixed with a, a open world Metroidvania on a tropical island with a Cthulhuian elder god problem. I was like, what? What, <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? I, I just, I couldn't even, like there's so many adjectives there describing what's going on that I, I couldn't make sense of it but the within within like the first I don't know 20 minutes of gameplay you're like oh oh I get it oh that kind of 2D <laughs> side scrolling pinball game with the Cthulhu problem we're like oh I get it <laughs> Thank you. 
there are so many distinct sound worlds mm -hmm. that you created, and I would assume that matches up with very distinct levels in the game as well. Yes. I mean, it's an open world game, so it's hard to talk about levels because okay. you can just roam around through the world. But the the world has a lot of environments to it. There are snowy peaks. There are subterranean caves, um, forests, waterfalls, um, this whole world over on the eastern side of the world that i don't know what to describe it it's almost like it's almost like you're in the long dead remains of something like the bones of some giant god or something it's hmm. strange um but like those bones have been covered by moss so they seem very soft and and nature like until all of a sudden you pass by part of the world and there's like teeth in the background it's it's interesting it's really huh. interesting It seems like there were a lot of live musicians on this soundtrack. Um, there were some. Okay. Um, it's uh, I I didn't have that big of a budget, uh, being okay. that this was a little indie game, uh, and a little indie game that, quite frankly, nobody was quite sure what was going to happen with it. Like like you have happened with most indie games, I guess. By the time we started, nobody had any... The, the Villa Gorilla didn't have a publisher. Um, mm. They were thinking originally it would just be on Steam. And I know they had approached a number of different first-party publishers like Nintendo and Sony. And in the end, ended up going with Team 17. Um who publishes a lot of indie stuff out of the UK and they've been great, but uh, nobody had any idea how big this thing was going to be. So the budget was really small and that means that a lot of what I had to do was samples, but I don't like only doing samples. So I try and always have some live elements. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's very helpful that my brother's a guitar player so I can lean on him a lot and say like, Hey, I need some acoustic. Hey, I need some okay something. Did he do uh, the David Gilmore impression? He did. Yeah. <laughs> that is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> He's a very good guitar player, and that's exactly what I asked him. I said, you know, I've got this thing, and it feels like it feels like David Gilmore. Can you give me David Gilmore? Yeah, I was listening to that track 
without any guitar for about two days and just sort of hearing it just it felt like it it felt like a missing track from Pink Floyd's momentary lapse of reason. And I just felt like if it's this far, I gotta I gotta go all the way. I gotta get the guitar solo over top of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and he's like playing a Telecaster too, or something, isn't he? No, he's playing he's playing um, a Stratocaster. Okay. And um, actually, he's playing both a Stratocaster and a Les Paul. Oh, cool. Um, cool. He asked me at one point. I was like, "Which one do you want?" And I said, "I I don't know." And he said, all right, well, here, I'll do solos with both, and you let me know which tone you prefer. And so he did them both, and it's interesting how playing on a different guitar changes the way he solos a little bit. Um, oh, okay. So I thought that both were really beautiful, and I just used both. keep talking about that vibe and that track so what kind sure. of world what part of the world or um, uh, visuals are accompanying that music caves caves and um, stalactites and um, you find your way down into an old sunken uh, temple that tells the story of the island and how there used to be about I don't know, six six of these elder gods that looked after the island, and uh, one by one they all died or went away, and now there's only one left, and this this giant tentacle horn monster thing named Mokuma is the the lifeblood of the island, and um, Mokuma is what you've set out to to try and heal. You said a, a word uh, just not long ago that reminded me of, you know, what you would hear in Hawaii. And mm -hmm. that is, you know, where this soundtrack begins in a lot of ways with ukulele right. and um, even some steel drum back right. there. Not necessarily Hawaiian per se, but the uke for sure gives you yep. that. And that the singing mm -hmm. is very luau-y. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep, yeah. Yeah, so tell me a little bit more about that, if, if that's a theme for the whole game kind of thing. Well, it comes and goes a couple of times. Um, it, it never more pure than in the very main theme. Okay. Um, and the whole idea was to try and make the main theme 
and the very opening of the game feel like a vacation. And uh, part of that is because it, uh, uh, you get lulled into a false sense of security, and then you find out, like, oh, this whole island is is at risk of, like, the island itself collapsing. But it starts out as just, um, you know, pleasant, peaceful, calm, tropical island. Um, there's so much that works diametrically opposed to itself in the score. Um, if you have something technological sounding, then I'll also pair it with something acoustic sounding. And I tried to do that throughout, uh, all over the place. So it's funny for me to, to, to say, like, I didn't think it would work. I think it would work too much against it um, to put something, like, not typical at the very outset. So I wanted to help to set the scene, help set the mood, help set the the peaceful welcome into the island with that with that first track. Banjo sounds in there too, and yes, really fun, fun stuff. That would that again. That's my brother. He's been uh, learning banjo now for like the last four years. He's really getting good at it. <laughs> nice. And uh, so I, I tasked him with playing banjo on it. Was he your bass player too? Uh, on one of the tracks on the main menu. Um, on the rest of it, I <laughs> on the rest of it actually, one of my best friends from high school that I'm still tremendously good friends with his name's ben rose and um we played in bands together all throughout high school uh and he's a really great bass player and i i knew that in part of the game i wanted to have fretless bass and so and he he can play fretless bass really well uh and it's not something it's not something i've really heard much of in games. Right. Um, it's not something you really hear much of anywhere. Right. Well, uh, it's um, it's a very specific skill compared, you know, I mean, yeah. not all bass players can play a fretless bass well. Yeah, and I think I think part of that is because you have to um, you have to not think of fretless bass as a bass typically. You have to think of it almost more like a melodic instrument. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was doing with it. It it it's the melody instrument in uh, the track uh, Spinna and the Skullgangers. That one just the, with the sitar and the tabla going on in the back or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yep. That, that's, right. that's great. And just that vibe is uh, very, again, just chill and uh, sound, just really great textures in that one. Yeah. 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 Thanks. 
Yeah, I wrote down who's the tasty bass player. <laughs> After <laughs> that, that would be track ben in particular. Rose, yeah. <laughs> yep. Ben Rose. Yeah. Now, what's interesting is um, I wrote out a lot of basically all of what he played. I is exactly the way I wrote it. Um, I then just asked him to oh. play it live. Um, but I gave him one area and asked him to improv on it. And it's one of my favorite parts of the whole score. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's nothing all that like crazy or amazing. And he just, the way he played these deep rumbly octave strums almost on his bass really added a lot to the track in a way that I had never even thought of. And I really really was I was really impressed with it also got throat singing now were these mm. real throat singers no i sadly. wouldn't think so yeah no i mean yeah. it's they're not like it's not like they're a dime a dozen i mean right <laughs> they come from a very specific part of the world and yeah and yeah. it's a really difficult thing to do um but where did that idea come in because that again is i you i think i i hear it more these days but certainly it's rare right well, the, the part of the game that has the throat singing is this area uh, with these guys called Space Monks. Um, Villa Gorilla, the, they told me that uh, at the top of these icy peaks live these monks who, um, for them, what they revere more than anything else, their whole sense of divinity is actually tied up in science. And I thought that was really a cool idea. So I knew I needed something that would be um, monkish, and I knew that it needed to also be technological. Um, again, it's 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 everything everything about the game, everything about the music. It's all about pairing together seeming seemingly opposite things to and somehow getting them to work. So when I started working on that track, I had originally thought maybe what I'd do is have um, I, I would perform myself and sing like plain song chants, like old um, medieval, yeah, uh, mo- monophonic monk chants, really. Except yeah. that instead of uh, um, liturgical Latin text, it would be chemical formula. <laughs> uh, and I tried it, uh, but it really didn't work. Like I, I must have, I, I don't know how long I spent trying to find the longest chemical name I could find so that, it, you know, like, <laughs> dihydromononucleic acid. You know. yeah. Um, but it didn't, it just, it went nowhere. It didn't sound good. Um, and I started looking for other ideas and I, I found, um, that I had some Tuvan throat singing samples. Uh, so I ended up using those. (laughs) 
Uh, and then I added on top of that the the DNA sequence of yeast spoken through a vocoder. <laughs> I wondered what you were talking about. And there are a lot of words or letters used. Yes. Yeah. Yep. That's throughout uh, the that's record. Yeast. Yeah. Album. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the yeah, a lot of the other languagey things. Other than the 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 second track on the soundtrack starts with a French count off. Other than that, everything else is just basically gobbledygook nonsense. <laughs> And I wanted the nonsense to sound sort of Polynesian, and yet at the same time, I was trying to also make it sound sort of like jazz scat syllables. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you get to the last track on the album, and there's this in this refrain that keeps coming up: "Mokaheya, Mokaheya, beep bop, buda, buda, budaya," and um, I worked hard to try and figure out. You know, where's that like 50-50 mix between quasi-Polynesian and and scat syllables? That that track is what lies beneath, right? Mm, yeah. And that's got a uh, tenor player. I, and I don't know if these were real. I Yes. Sounded real to me. The soloists are all real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. So trombone, alto, and tenor. Right. And The drums and bass are samples. And, they, and bongos are samples. And those three things took forever to program. I was going to go nuts if I had to try and figure out how to program the solo instruments as live, uh, you know, to sound live as well, because it took just forever to program the bass and the drums and the bongos and make those sound convincing. Right. And so eventually I was just like, I I can't do this. I got to just, I got to bring in live players. I would imagine maybe they weren't all there on the same day, but uh, the way you either mic'd them when you recorded them or mixed them after the fact reminded me of an old jazz recording where you're hearing the alto player in the left channel, you're hearing Mm -hmm. the tenor player in the right channel, and, you know, not hearing them, the instruments themselves in stereo, per se... Yeah, uh, just makes it sound like it's live, you know. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, the, no, they weren't all together, um, and and I wasn't even there when they recorded them. They recorded them in their home studios, 
Um, I just handed them the track each individually and described what I wanted and, um, and, and didn't describe it very in depth because I kind of wanted to just see what would happen. I wanted to see how each player would interpret what I gave them. I gave them a, a lead sheet and I said, now all I really want is I want bebop and I want it pretty outside. (laughs) <laughs> and that's it. And what I got back varied from player to player. Yeah. And the uh, the alto player was the one who gave me the like craziest honks and squeaks and stuff, <laughs> uh, which I I loved. Um, yeah. And the trombone player was fairly consistent throughout. Um, and then I had a couple of takes that I got from each of them. Um, and the, uh, tenor player had some, some really nice melodic, you know, not, not exactly what you'd think of with bebop, a little bit more accessible, yeah. uh, melodic content. Yeah. Um, consonant. Consonant. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it was nice to get a, a real mix of things from, from the players. Sure. Sure. Let's see. There's ceremony of healing. That's a that's an interesting one because it it starts one place and then gets all <laughs> weird and like reggae ish almost, but not yeah. definitely not like straight up reggae. And then you know harpsichord in there, and then it sounds like you're <laughs> bowing some cymbals or something. Who knows? So tell us about ceremony of healing. It's the only cutscene in the game, or no? It's the only cutscene I scored. There's one other cutscene. Oh, okay. And um. From very on with the development of the game, like when we started talking the first meeting, I think, Villa Gorilla said to me, music's going to be a big part of the game because ultimately at the, there are these three chieftains on the island and each one is going to have to come together to perform this musical ceremony at the end, this ceremony of healing to heal the, the god. And so we're going to need you to figured that out musically. And it took forever. Like it, with every game, cutscenes are always the last thing. And so when it came for the time for the end, they sent me a little early animatic of what they were expecting to do. And the way I the way it, it came to me without any sound at all, uh, you see the first chieftain picks up and sticks in his mouth a kazoo. And then the second chieftain, after a couple beats, picks up and sticks a second kazoo in his mouth. And the third chieftain sticks uh, another kazoo in his mouth. And then the ceremony gets interrupted by a guy who shows up wrapped in a sousaphone. (laughs) (laughs) So I told them, uh, like, I figured out the timing for them, like, please make it this many seconds and whatnot. And I decided to make it, because it had to feel ancient, like an ancient ceremony, uh, I decided to to write, um, like, a a Renaissance fugue for wind band. And so it's shawm and crumhorn and tenor recorder or something like that. But then the guy with the sousaphone shows up. So it actually then gets interrupted <laughs> by, I just took 
I took another chunk of the like really outside tenor sax stuff. And I figured like mm-hmm. I don't I don't need to literally make it sound like a sousaphone because we already have the other three chieftains are playing kazoos and I, I thought it would make everybody go crazy if I, they had to listen to a a kazoo fugue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I tried to make it a little more consonant than that with the other instruments. So uh, then I got to this and I was just like, well, I'll just use some of the saxophone, crazy saxophone stuff. So yeah, it gets interrupted by this completely nutso saxophone stuff. at that point it switches to the bad guy monologuing as they are so oft to do uh and so under that i decided to put this like sinister reggae track for kind of no reason like again it was like oh what's the opposite of a renaissance wind band i I guess minor reggae which in and of itself is kind of an anomaly yeah, yeah. <laughs> in some ways. Yeah, yeah. and I, so I wanted to use, I wanted to, um, it's, I don't think it was uh, actually harpsichord. I think I was using uh, clavichord because um, I wanted it funky and this like cheesy organ. Because the whole thing, like when the bad guy is doing his bad stuff, it's so cartoony. It's not like, it's, you know, the, the last big game I had scored before, well, not the last big game, but the last big thing I had scored before this was um, a VR experience for Star Wars that's like installed at, at downtown Disney. And it's this like intensely dramatic thing. And when the bad guy shows up, it's super dense and super dissonant. And here the bad guy shows up and uh, it didn't need to be that. It just needed to be cartoony. It didn't need to be cinematic. Yeah. So, yeah. So off the wall reggae seemed like it would work. And then for the rest of that track, it, it's um, just like synths, uh, some some atmospheric synth stuff while you're wandering around inside some catacombs on your way to try and find the end boss. And then when you find him, that's when you get the last track on the soundtrack, which is the, the bebop while you fight the guy. There's a lot of cool hip hop stuff and like some jazzy, almost film noir esque stuff yeah, as well. Yeah. So, um, 
so let's start with Gorilla Woods because mm. I mean that's got record scratching in it and all <laughs> kinds of cool stuff. So yeah. so talk to me about that vibe there. Um, so that's the first track where you realize, oh, this isn't the like quaint tropical vacation I thought I was going on, <laughs> and the the island gets rainy and dark. Um, there's a gigantic gorilla statue um, that seems to hint at at um, old ancient cultures on this island. And so it becomes it just becomes darker in tone and darker in uh, its color palette too. And so it needed to become darker in its music as well. And what I and, and I, the more I talked with the team, the more that became a theme. Once you got to a new area, it would start out fairly light, and then the closer you got towards, I think each area kind of has its own boss fight. And so the closer you get to the boss, the darker things get, and the not more dangerous because you can't die in the game. Um, but the more ominous the mood becomes. And so what I would do is um, I would establish for each area the first track, um, the introductory track. And then when I knew I needed to move on to the next one, I would save a copy of that track, delete out all of the content, but now I had my instrument palette. And I would start trying to take that same instrument palette and make it sound darker. Uh, And sometimes that meant swapping out an instrument here or an instrument there. And by the time I was done, I didn't have the same thing, uh, but I had like a cousin to the initial introductory track. And then for the next area, I would do the same thing with the second one. So now by the time you get to the boss fight, the boss fight is now like a third cousin once removed from that initial track, but there's still elements of it that connect them all. Slug Gardener, who, yeah. who's rapping in that? That's me. That's you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's me. That's fantastic. Tell us about that track. Um, it's funny how inspiration works. Um, I was working on another project, but one of the ones I was working on at the same time was this um, a, a pitch that another company was doing. And they said... We're working on a Western, but we want you to... Can you give us something that's really against type with a Western? Um, What would you not expect? And I was like, oh, how about a 90s-style trip-hop track? Like, 
what if Portishead, instead of sampling all of the spy scores from the 60s, what if they had sampled all the spaghetti westerns from the 60s? <laughs> and I had a blast coming up with that track. And the company, when they heard it, they were like, oh, wow, this is fantastic, but not at all what we want. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it just got tossed out. And I still had this like, I still had this trip hop itch that I needed to scratch it, I guess. <laughs> and I was at the same time, I'm working on Yoku and I'm trying to figure out like, what is it that, what does slug music sound like? Um, <laughs> slugs are slow, slugs are slimy. And so I, I decided that it was going to be this sort of slow and sleazy trip hop thing and uh, just kind of worked out that way. I have a sense of what people, how people are going to react to a score. Mm-hmm. Uh, with this one, I hadn't the faintest idea. I, I was afraid that people were going to listen to it and just think, wow, you really went too far <laughs> and overboard. <laughs> you know, like there's a part of me that's a little bugged by the fact that people probably can't easily do cover versions of any of these songs. Oh, you know? yeah. Um, just because they're so production heavy, mm-hmm. and um, and the ones that aren't production heavy are bebop. <laughs> 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 so right. there's a part of me that's like, oh, you know, it's probably not going to be any YouTube covers of any of this stuff. And that made me think, like, did I? Am I doing this wrong? Like, should I? Is it un? Is it not accessible because I'm just overproducing everything? No, and so no, it, no, no. you know, yeah. you just you second guess everything after a while. And I, I worked on this score in one way or another for three years. So by yeah. the end of three years, I just was like, it's just going to go out the door, and I have no idea what people are going to say about it. Um, so it's been a really nice reaction to see so many people enjoying it so much, and. Um, uh, almost every, almost every review has called the music out as as being uh, a big part of the game's charm. So nice. that's been really, really cool to, to see. Yeah, really enjoyed it, Jesse. And as uh, Thanks, you know, Emma. just really a pleasure to speak with you again. And Likewise. Just you know, let us know when you've got the next one. I will. <laughs> I definitely will. Thanks for listening to episode 98 of Level with Emily Reese. You can learn more about Jesse Harlan and see a playlist at patreon.com slash level. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily and learn more about us at levelwithemily.com, made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services and composer Brad Gentle. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media Incorporated. <laughs>